What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. On today's episode, we'll be going over a Bleach Report article and an ESPN analyst all coming down on the Nikola Vucevic trade. We'll be talking about Adam Silver and his comments on the Robert Sarver situation, the responses from LeBron James, Chris Paul, and more. We'll get into all that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. All right, Bulls fans. So I'm going to start off with the follow-up to yesterday's episode, and that is the Robert Sarver situation. So since I dropped that episode, we've gotten a press conference from Adam Silver, one in which did not go the way I think that he thought the NBA would hope. Every Like, that... Adam Silver interview was probably our press conference, I should say, was probably one of the worst responses I have seen to something of this magnitude ever. Like Adam Silver came out and said a lot of nothing. Like even, you know, when he was pressed with questions, it almost seemed like Adam Silver wasn't prepared or didn't think he was going to get any questions about the situation. Like he made his initial statement when people went to questions, like a bunch of vague general answers and you know even saying that there was no racial or, or, or gender animus uh to the situation and they could have done more but they decided to not and then they you know saying that yeah NBA owners are held to a different standard well he said that they weren't but then his answer to that was you know there's a difference between owning a team and being an employee of a team and like a lot of what came out of this and a lot of the responses you're seeing is that just confusion confusion right being upset with the way that the NBA has handled this, and we'll talk about the comments from LeBron and Chris Paul here in a second because I think those are important to get to, but just to focus on the Adam Silver portion here, right? And I was over on Locked On NBA last night, um, and we, we've talked about this, and Nick made a great point that I wanted to highlight here. He was saying how the NBA was saying that, no, they, there was not a level of understanding to what, what was going on with Robert Sarver, that they did not condone it. But then Adam Silver said that, yeah, he could have done more, but they decided not to do more. That they could have been more stringent. Yeah, they 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 find him the max amount, but they could have done more with actually the the the, the punishment towards him. But they decided to not. And by not deciding to do more, to, by not deciding to do the most of what you could in punishment, that's not even saying taking away the team. We'll talk about that here in a second. But it is showing a bit of, and even like I said, that the it's no racial animus and the comparisons to the Donald Sterling situation and everything there. It's just. To me, the NBA did not handle this right. You know, we talked about yesterday, did the NBA do enough? I said that they didn't, but now it's even it's even more so than that. It just seems like, I don't I don't know. And to Nick's point that I, that I talked about over on, on, on Locked On NBA, he did say that like a lot of owners being glass houses and they don't really want to expose it because what what is the, the slope of once you start taking, we I already took a team away from Donald Sterling. Mark Cuban at that point did say it was a slippery slope that they were going on by taking away the team. Like if they would have done it again, maybe they're worried about the, the precedent that that would have set. I don't know. But at the end of the day here, it does not seem or feel like the NBA did enough. Now, as far as the, taking the team away, I know a lot of questions are going to be like, why did Donald Sterling get his team taken away, but Robert Sarver did not. Adam Silver gave his answers to that as far as they didn't find there was any racial or gender animus bit built into it, but there was an issue. But at the end of the day, the process of taking a team, and you did say this, a very involved process of, of removing an owner from a team. This is what I have to say to that is that, to me, this comes off as the other NBA owners would have to vote to take away his team. So that tells me that maybe those other owners did not vote to do that, which means that there's at least a degree of kind of not not sweeping under the rug, maybe too harsh of a word to say with that. 
But I don't know, man. It's just something about all of this does not feel right. It doesn't sit right with me. It just it seems like the NBA could have done more. And LeBron James very much so had the same thoughts on this. So we got a statement from LeBron James last night. Quickly thereafter, not too far after this whole thing came down, he says this. Read through the Sarver stories a few times now. I got to be honest. Our league definitely got this wrong. I don't need to explain why. Y'all read the stories and decide for yourself. I said it before and I'm going to say it again. There's no place in this league for that kind of behavior. I love this league. I deeply respect our leadership, but this isn't right. There's no place for misogyny, sexism, and racism in any workplace. Don't matter if you're on the team or play for the team. We hold our league up as an example of our values and this ain't it. You guys know, I take nothing away from LeBron James and what he does in his activism, what he does and things like that. And this was needed. When you have the player of LeBron James stature speak out on something like this as quickly as what he what he did, he needed to make a statement. It needed to be loud. It needed to be straight to the point. It needed to be poignant. LeBron did all that. LeBron James as, a, as somebody also who wants and has been vocal on the fact that they want to be an owner of the NBA team at some point in time. So yes, him, him, he needed to speak on this, but outside of the need, the perception, the whatever, what he said in this and the words that he used in this were powerful, meaningful, and it's and it's. It, I'm glad that he got ahead of it. And don't be surprised, especially as we had, head to training camp, we get more statements, more thoughts, more comments of this coming out from other NBA players leading into this. Is going to be the biggest story almost from now until the game start. Yes, there are going to be some things with training camp. There's going to be some things, uh, so probably some more moves made, probably some more trades made, things like that. But this is going to be one of the stories that everybody in the NBA is going to be asked about, talked about, and we're going to hear a lot of feelings on this over the next couple of months. I don't know when this dies down, but anyway, let's get into Chris Paul's comments as well. Chris Paul was on that team that of, of Donald Sterling when that, that situation went down. So this is Chris Paul going through this for the second time in his career. And he says this, this was a tweet. Like many others, I reviewed the report. I was and am horrified and disappointed by what I read. This conduct, especially towards women, is unacceptable and must never be repeated. I am of the view that the sanctions fell short in truly addressing what we can all agree was atrocious behavior. My heart goes out to all the people that were affected. Now, the, with Chris Paul being on this team and the Chris Paul being on that, on that Clippers team as well, when they decided to cover up the logos and things like that, do we see a response like that again? Chris Paul, former head of the NBA Players Association as well. So it's going to be like... Don't be surprised. This isn't going to be the last of it. And don't be surprised if things change. I know they're not forcing Donald Sterling to sell the team, but if sponsors pull out, if other things like once you start affecting the bottom line, God forbid if players decide to sit out, which I don't think is going to get to that point. Again, Chris Paul, he re-signed with the team after these initial allegations came out and in, in the report by ESPN that kind of generated and started all this. But this is something that it's not going to go away in the NBA. It just it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like this. It feels like so many balls were dropped in this case and the players are speaking out on that. ESPN people are speaking out on this. Employers are speaking out on this. Like this is something that is going to reverberate throughout the NBA atmosphere for the foreseeable future. And you're going to hear a lot of think pieces. You're going to hear a lot of comments. You're going to hear a lot of thoughts and feelings about this whole situation for a while. And I'm glad and I hope that players don't shy away from saying how it makes them feel because it needs to P voices from the league. And, I, and, I'm, and I'll say this. I'm never someone who thinks that we need to get our moral compass or, or anything from players, from NBA teams, from any organizations, from celebrities at all. But when you're thinking of when, when 
But players that are affected by this, the league needs to continue to talk about this and not let this go off into the sunset and be something that just is quiet in the, in the, in the, in the next news cycle. Don't let this go unnoticed. Don't let this go unspoken. Don't let this continue to go. Just the NBA got this one wrong. And I think that you're hearing that and that's being thought and felt throughout just about it. I have not heard anyone that says, hey, the NBA should have done less or the NBA did enough in this case. Now, some of that may be people yeah, front running a little bit, I guess, for lack of a better word. But let me know what you guys think about it down below. Again, I know we talked about this yesterday. I didn't, uh, fortunately, covering a big part of this on the show today as well, because I think when you have the responses that you did from players and around the league, and especially that press conference from Adam Silver that just seemed like a bunch of bullshit, as I've been trying to get the cursing underway, but I think that's a this, that's a topic that it deserves to be said on, and this was bullshit, and the NBA did not get this one right. But okay, let's get off that. Let's get back into basketball. And so I, I it's funny that I did the most, I did the best moves by AK so far, and I did the worst moves by AK so far. And one move was on both of those lists, and that is the Nikola Vucevic trade. And in a lot of ways, I like what it did for the change of culture for the Chicago Bulls. I like what it did for you know, showing that the Bulls were trying to win now. They were doing something to become a playoff team now, right? But I also said it in when I did the worst episodes, I mean, the worst uh, moves by AK episodes, that the one thing that stood out to me in that trade that was kind of is that they gave up the two additional first-round picks, right? One that turned out to be the eighth overall pick that ended up being Franz Wagner. Now, the Bulls did fully expect that they were going to make the playoffs that season, and they were on the path to before Zach Levine got uh, COVID, but it seemed like that that season that we got Nikola Vucevic, that we were on the path to be a playoff team. That pick would not have been that high in that case, but whatever ended up happening, happened is that Franz Wagner was selected by that. Then it ended up, uh, we are giving up our pick this upcoming draft, and it's top four uh, protected, but we all know the Bulls, unless something goes terribly wrong, that pick should not be in the top four. So the Bulls are going to lose their pick again this season. But it's now two other reports have come out, one by ESPN that said that the that the, the Vucevic trade was a disaster. And this is one from Bleach Report in which they ranked some of the most regrettable trades of the last three seasons. And the Nikola Vucevic deal ranked number three on that list of five different uh, trades that happened. And so it's kind of like re-brought up this conversation in a, in a bigger stage that we were kind of already having here at Chicago Bulls Central. So I'm not going to spend a huge amount of time on it. But the one thing that sticks out in both these articles that people talk about is, is Wendell Carter. And one thing that they pointed out as well is Wendell Carter's contract. Now, he did sign a four-year, $50 million contract that is front-loaded. So it starts at $14.2 million, ends at $10.9 million. And I will say this on the Bleacher Report, as much as we've been talking about Bleacher Report's shitty articles over the course of the summer, that they do talk about how that could have helped the Bulls in certain avenues as far as having that descending contract with a younger player who's going into their prime. But, you know, one of the things that I've talked about is that Wendell Carter, while getting high like what he averaged 14.2 points 10 point uh 10 rebounds 2.5 assists 0.7 blocks on 51 percent shooting in 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 uh with orlando in his time there he's played 84 games with orlando this is the, this is the thing that i that i have to say with this and i've been i've said this before to me Wendell carter didn't get better he got more opportunity the nikola vucevic trade is always going to be one of those trades because what you what the bulls are trading for at that time was an all-star center has nikola vucevic been that in his chicago bulls senior no Let's just be, no, but at the same time, it's more than just like, when you look at these deals in a vacuum, it's more than that. While I do think the Bulls overpaid, it's still a deal that I, that I would have done because of the way that it changed the perception around the Chicago Bulls. 
does De- DeMar DeRozan come here? People have said, uh, shout out, I think it was JDH. If not, it was Joker. Shout out to them who pointed like, well, Eversley flew out to meet with DeMar. The market for DeMar wasn't good. There is the, uh, there's still a chance that the Bulls could have got DeMar DeRozan. And absolutely, right? There is a chance of that. But when you look at the connection of Vooch, when you look at even the connection of Vooch and Drogic, which, you know, I'm not as high on the Drogic signing. But to, let's not just say wholeheartedly that DeMar wouldn't have come without Vooch. When you look at the fact that the market wasn't big for him, the Bulls were willing to overpay versus what the market was willing to pay for DeMar DeRozan, there is still a chance that we could have gotten him. Lonzo Ball would have come in either way. I do think, you know, we already know about Lonzo. But at the same time, I'm looking at this team and even we, we have to wait and see what Nikola Vucevic does with the extension before I can fully talk about and You know, the, the I like doing deals and what they meant then, what they meant currently. And then, you know, of course, future projections with hindsight and things like that. Yes, Nikola Vucevic had a down, but even in the down season, 17 and 11, being in the, ranked in the top five to 10 in every category at your position, which is something I've been drilling home for a long time with Nikola Vucevic. It's still a trade that I would have made because of what it meant to the change of Bulls culture. Wendell Carter would have not gotten the chance, I don't think, to develop like he's going to get in Orlando. And even like that being said is that Wendell Carter, while his numbers went up, his opportunities went up. I still don't see that as like he's made this huge leap that has made this thing, this thing with with Vooch worse or, or disaster, as the ESPN article said. So, you know, thinking about this, like, it's cool that it's listed there. Let me know what you guys think about it down below. I know we've been kind of talking about this over the course of the last week or so. It's just funny that another uh, report came out on it, but it kind of is what it is there in my in my mind. Now, another thing that's coming up with the Chicago Bulls is Laurie marketing his play in Eurobasket. And people have naturally been asking, did the Bulls make the wrong decision giving up Laurie marketing? And here's what I'll say with this. With the Laurie marketing trade, I think people forget too, Laurie was ready to go. Laurie needed to change the scenery. I really think the thing that soured Laurie so much was the the run with Jim Boylan. It completely killed his confidence. Like Jim Boylan, I think sometimes we forget too that there was a level of needing to wash away. I, oh, it, with Chicago Bears, since I always say we had nagyitis, we had to wash away the nagyitis. We had to wash away the Boylanism as well. Like the things that Jim Boylan did to this team, the, the 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 way that he messed up the confidence of the young players, the way that he didn't develop young players, the way that he it was more about him than what it was about actually developing the young talent on this team. I think that we need to also remember that Laurie was ready to change. Like, even though Billy, he played one season under Billy Donovan, it was just time. He was ready to go. He was ready for a change of scenery. Laurie came in with so much focus and fire, and uh, he was the finisher, and he, he showed and displayed certain things that just went away over time. His confidence was killed here in the Chicago Bulls, and we don't know, like, Playing over in Eurobasket, that does not necessarily mean NBA success. Look at how many players are killing it in Eurobasket that aren't even in NBA, for, for example. But I will say this. I, I was very vocal last summer on the fact that once everything started going down, I would have loved to be able to keep Laurie Marketing on this team. Not necessarily as a starter, but like looking at his size and, and things like that. At the time, I would have loved to keep Laurie Marketing on this team. I still think that Laurie can be a solid NBA player. Now, the, the superstar thing that we saw at one point in time, the dirt comparisons, that may not come to fruition ever. He's still only what twenty five years old. I think Laurie Marketing is so still a, a young player with a lot of a lot left ahead of him. But at the end of the day, it's it's really time to see. It I think because Bulls fans aren't necessarily happy with the offseason that the Chicago Bulls had, aren't happy with the moves, aren't happy sometimes with the roster as well, and some people with the small ball issues. It's it's natural to go back and kind of reassess everything. But you know the thing with Laurie Marketing is is that he's he, he's always always going to have potential. Like when you look at the usage rate for his career, right? He has a usage rate of 21.6%, which is below 
average. Comparison to that, Zach Levine's lowest usage rate of his career is 28.8%. Well, a career with the Chicago Bulls. So, Laurie, yes, the opportunities, it seems like the Bulls went more and more away from him. But even looking at his impact in Cleveland, it was like, yeah, he played out of position at the three for them because of how what the depth they had there. But it still wasn't anything earth-shattering. Like, I don't know if Laurie ever turns into the player that we necessarily thought he was going to be after his rookie season and after that second season as well. But, you know, I still I still have hope for Laurie. I still like I still want to see Laurie succeed. I just don't know if it's going to happen. But this constant reframing we do as Bulls fans is constantly repainting deals and saying, oh, well, the Bulls should have did this, should have did that, should have did this. And, you know, yeah, I'm not going to say that it's, it's not a super large vocal part of the community that is is hammering for Laurie marketing to still be a bull. But there are those people that do think that, hey. The Bulls, did the Bulls get it wrong here? And I'll say, yeah, the Bulls did get it wrong to a degree because of Boylan. But by the time it was time to make that Laurie marketing split, it was time. It was done. We all knew the writing was on the wall. The Bulls still got some stuff back for him. It was actually on one of my better trades. Uh, so it is what it is there. But that is it for today's episode of Chicago Bulls Central. Thank you so much for joining. Sound off down below. You guys have been getting those voicemails in for Saturday's mailbag episode. Can't wait to get into that. I appreciate you guys so much. But that is it for me for today. Make sure you're following the show at Bulls Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullscentralpod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text and or voicemail, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We're the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related because of you guys. And like I like to end every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. Peace, y'all. This has been a presentation of The Break Break Media. Media.